0: good morning good morning sanctuary church it is uh it's so good to be back with you guys again uh, I just want you to take a moment and just to you have you guys don't I hope you know how blessed you are with the pastor that you have and Rod Collins uh, would you just 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 thank him uh, he is awesome would you give it up for him real quick because I, I believe amen amen um He's awesome. And I love him and so grateful uh, to be back with you again. And, and don't stop there because every time I come back, I'm, I'm just impressed and in awe of the staff here, uh, Sean and Susie and all of the tech team and worship and the worship pastor. Would you give it up for the staff as well? They deserve it. They do a great job. All of the volunteers that help set up Sunday after Sunday. Um, I just came back and and just reminded of how awesome this church is, and so it is good to be back. Um, last time, uh, I believe we had a great time. I don't know about you, but I felt like God did something, and I walked away like, "Wow, I love this church. I love the people of, of Sanctuary Church." But I won't lie; I had a, a brief thought in my mind. I was like, "I wonder if they'll have me back." I, I, I thought about it, I said, man, big black guy with gold teeth, a beard, and he likes skinny jeans. I don't know if they'll have me back. And so I, I doubled down on the skinny jeans again just to try, just to try it again and see if it'll work. But um I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and so um I, I want to share this year, uh this year, because I come once a year, this is a little routine we got going, but this year... um this year, I want to share a little bit from my heart and my experience over the past year. I want to share uh, the season of change that I believe that God has brought me into, um, not a physical change like location change god didn 't called me he 's not calling me to leave or go anywhere like we sometimes we suspect, but uh, a different change, a heart change, uh, a different heart posture that would uh, help me experience him in a new way. Uh, last uh, This past February, I had the awesome experience to go to Israel. Anybody ever been to Israel? Life-changing, huh? Went to Israel. I, I knew that I was supposed to go on this trip. i had actually prayed for many years to go on a trip, and I'd never been able to because I wasn't my own boss, but now I'm my own boss, so I can go, right? But I always work for churches, and this never seemed to work out, but I pastor a church now, I don't know if you remember that. I lead a church plant we're three years old this actual week, and um, three years old this yeah three years ago, this week, um, we started our church, and this was the first time uh, that I had an opportunity to go to Israel, and it, it just came at a perfect time, so I thought. Just about a couple of months before going on the trip, things just started happening, right? Like things in the church and people began to like, some of my core people um, moved, took a job in another state and moved. It was like, oh, don't go, don't go. And just things started happening around me, so much so that I knew I needed this trip, but I, I thought, oh, just not the right timing. First couple of days, I get to Israel, and just being there, when the plane landed, I could just sense that God did something here. Like, this is real. This is real. All the, all of the years of reading this scripture, hearing sermons, it became real. But it, it really got real when I went to the Sea of Galilee. For me, getting on a boat, which I was hesitant, like, man, I read the stories, man, I've seen storms and man, I don't know if I'm ready for that, that, you know. But I got on this boat, and God, I mean, I just felt his presence. I mean, I'm not one to, like, just make up stuff, guys. Like, I, I sense God's presence on this experience and worshiping him. And God began to speak to me deeply about, about changing, about my own comfort and how I've just kind of Allowed it, one boat after another boat to sail without jumping in. And I was like, how is this God? I'm, I am mean, I've done everything. I'm leading a church. Like I'm, I, I, people are, things are happening and he began to just show me how I've made it so much about what I'm doing for him instead of just being with him. Maybe some of the obedience that I had stepped into was, became more about me than it was just simply about him. And so I, I want to share out of that experience, everything that I'm about to share is really a reflection of that experience of what God has been doing over the past year in me and what I've seen him, how he's used things to bring change in my life. And this morning, I wonder if God is changing people, doing a work on the inside in leaders and in, and in churches I wonder this morning if, if, if you're in that season of change. Not, not a location change. Not a move, but a, a change on the inside. Can we pray before we get into God's Word? Father, I just thank you this morning. I thank you for your still small voice that speaks to your people. I thank you, Jesus, for how over and over and over again you call those that are call themselves disciples to follow you. Lord, even some of your disciples, Lord, you say, cast your net on the other side. Lord, this morning, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to your people, to your church, in only ways that you could do. That, Lord, there would be a sense of obedience, there would be a a sense of stepping into you, Lord, not into work, not into doing more, but into being more. Father, I I just pray, Lord. I pray that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Touch hearts, Lord. Renew minds. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This was the passage that our God asked us to read before we got on the Sea of Galilee. And I sit with this passage and I sit on my balcony that morning and looked at the Sea of Galilee and, and was just at awe of the beauty of this place. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. When you have it, say amen. It says, On that day when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And the other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He, Jesus, was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. Now, let me start right there. I'm reading this at the Sea of Galilee and the cushion is bothering me. Like, what type of cushion did Jesus have? Was it like one of those memory foams? Like, did Jesus have back pain and neck pain like, what do you what is this, Jesus? And actually uh, John Mark, the writer of this gospel, actually he writes this little detail in here for us to understand that th- this cushion was only for a person of authority to be in this place in the stern, the head of the ship, guiding the ship. It was, it was a detail to show that Jesus had authority. And everything after this scripture begins, in this scripture and beyond begins to show us how Jesus took authority. Amen? So it's not a memory foam, if you thought that. No. So they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was great calm. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this, even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, that's another point in Israel. I'm sitting here reading this, and just when I read that passage, even the winds and the waves obey him, my arms start doing this, and I start going back to children's church. It's like, even the winds and waves obey him. And I just sing that, and I'm like, ah, oh, stop, stop, stop. I got to concentrate. I got to concentrate. This passage, Jesus speaks to the storm. They get into the boat. The disciples are asked to get into the boat. They get in and there were challenged. A storm arose and Jesus speaks to it, showing that he has been given authority over everything in heaven and in earth. How many sermons? I'll tell you this. I've heard a million sermons. As I read this in Israel, I realized that I've heard a million sermons, not like a million literally, but figuratively. I've heard a million sermons about, about metaphorically speaking on this passage. I've heard pastors, they will usually start off their message like this. They'll say, how many of you guys feel like you're in a storm and Jesus is asleep? And I'm, my tension has been arrested, like, yeah, I'm going through some hard stuff. And I'm like, God, where are you? Over and over, I begin to realize that the boat and the storm are use, usually used metaphorically. Not something that's actual, but something that's out there, something that's spiritual, something that's super deep to us and causes us to think. Maybe some of those messages I heard, They ended like this. So, guys, what boat are you in in this point of your life? And then we kind of sit in that and we're asked to sit in that moment. Powerful moments. Or other, uh, here's another one we usually hear around this sermon. They say, what are the storms that are tossing your life around? And we begin to name and categorize the types of storms that we're experiencing. Now, don't hear me wrong. There's nothing wrong with these sermons. Actually, these sermons have changed and shaped me over the years. Nothing wrong with these sermons. But as I sit in Israel and begin to really sit with the passage, no commentaries, no nothing else, I just sit with this and begin to realize and ask myself, this sermon, these sermons I've heard, they always use the boat in the storm metaphorically. What if the boat is just a boat? What if the boat that I just got in was simply a boat, a traveling vessel that was meant to get me from one place to another? I ask you the same question. What if the boat that we just read, what if it's just a traveling vessel meant to get you? To the other side. What if the point of this message is simple? What if it's simply this, that Jesus is just trying here in this passage to get the disciples to go to the other side? What if it's that simple? What if it's not about the storm? What if it's not about the boat? But what if it's the act of obedience to get in the boat, and in doing so, That Jesus is just trying to take us somewhere. How is it, friends, that we continually miss Jesus' invitation to go to the other side with him, to get in the boat, to go on the other side with him when he asks in critical moments in our lives? The times that we sit there and we're asking, God, why? Why is this happening? How do we miss that voice that says, Jesus' invitation that says, hey, come get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. We got these big what ifs and these big whys and these big God, are you even there? And why did you allow? All these questions that we talk, we talk, we talk, we talk. How do we miss it? Have we, have we overcomplicated this passage as pastors? Have we overcomplicated and made it too hard for our congregations to grasp? Have we made it too hard that it's like, ah, oh, just, I can't, I, I, I can't see my way out of this. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But what I do believe is true is, is that in these moments when we hear his voice, in these moments when he invites us, this invitation is uncomfortable. And I think that we miss this invitation oftentimes is because we love our comfort. We love our comfort. We work most of our lives trying to be comfortable. We work hard so in our latter years we can we can we can rest and take it easy. And society tells us that that is the proper way to live your life. And so anything that seems uncomfortable, we're like, speak to the hand. How do we miss it? I think it's easy for us to stay in our comfort zone. See, when we're left to our own devices. We would rather stay right where we are. I think it's a part of our human nature just to want to be, want to seek and stay comfortable. See, it's easy to remain comfortable because it's easy, it's, it's familiar. Comfort becomes familiar. This, this place and this space of comfort is very familiar to us. I understand that. I understand that in, in, when things are comfortable and familiar, uh, familiar to us, they also are controllable. And oftentimes we, we try to control God and how he moves and how he speaks. And we get so used to him speaking one way that we miss him speaking in new ways. Don't miss that. God doesn't speak to you. I'm talking to somebody. God, early on, if you're a new Christian, God is speaking to you and he's full of grace and everything is coming easy and you didn't, you're didn't, you not really doing much and God is moving and it's so easy. But as you walk with God, anybody walk with God for a long time? It's not as easy, is it? It ain't as easy. It's not as clear like, bing, bing, move, move, change, change. As you walk with him, the lights don't flash the same. It's not as easy to recognize his voice. Why? I think it's because of comfort. And I think we try to control sometimes how God speaks, and we even try to control even how God wants to move in, in and through us. Control. We have control issues as Christians familiarity and and being comfortable is also predictable. We like to be comfortable because we we want things to be predictable. We want to know what's going to happen on the other end. We need to know what's going to happen. We don't step into danger, right? Who steps into danger? I understand those things because That's the part of me. I'm saying these things because a part of me can be controlling. And just when I think God, I got God figured out, he kind of moves and changes and it's uncomfortable for me. But what I don't understand is how we can stay in these familiar places even when they've become unbearable. How do we stay in these hard places when they're unbearable? That's the story of my life, these changes that happen in life. When life throws you a curveball and, and, and you just want to stay in there and you're determined to hit the curveball, you can strike out a million times trying to hit the curve, like, don't swing at the curve. Life becomes unbearable. Why do we, why do we stay there when just, just in the distance, Jesus is inviting us to move To the other side. Someone once said that life begins at the end of our comfort zones. Life begins at the end of our comfort zones that we experience. You know the scriptures. Jesus said he came to give, come on now, I need to hear you. He came to give life and life to the full. He came to give even abundant life. How do we have abundant life in comfort? Life happens at the end of our comfort. It was that way for Jesus. Am I lying? It was that way for Jesus. Was Jesus' life? Did he enter in into this comfortable? It said that he came down and, 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 and made himself in the image of man. He's God. He's fully divine, fully human. Jesus came down and and experienced what we experienced. He said, life happens at the end of our comfort zone. See, this is the story of God. The story of God is replete with stories of him inviting his people to journey with with him. This is what we're called to as Christians to journey with God to move when God moves to have a heart that's open and pliable and, and and usable for him this is the this is the essence of christianity to be open to move with God to hear his voice and to move with him genesis chapter 12 verse 1 is the story of abram god invites abram in genesis chapter 12 verse 1 and he says this Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. He calls Abram to go. Guess how old Abram was when he left his country? He was 75 years old, the scriptures say. He was 75 years old. I can imagine being 75 and God saying, hey, leave everything Leave the place where your family has settled. Leave everything and come and follow me to a place that I'm going to show you, to a people that you don't know yet. Seventy. How uncomfortable that must have been. God called Abram out of his comfort. How much more does he call us, and will he call us out of our comfort zones? How much more? For me, this is Really, the story of my life, the very fact that I'm, I'm here speaking before you. God is, 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 is proof of God calling me over and over and over again out of comfortable situations into uncomfortable situations. I never was a speaker. I had a big mouth. I got like excessive talking throughout grade school. So maybe he used that. Yeah, that's true. But besides that, besides that. But God, over and over, see, I was comfortable in my sin. I couldn't have told you 15 years ago that I'd be pastoring a church, that I'd even see myself worthy to lead a church, to lead God's people. 15 years ago, selling drugs and, and, and living, uh, living uh, just a wayward life far from God with people that didn't want anything to do with God, how God would pluck me out of that, how he would speak to me, when things when I was depressed and things were hard and said I'm gonna I'm going to I'm gonna bless you. Sent me to Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia, to a place that I've never never seen, never been to, but I sensed God's calling, and I didn't even wasn't even serving God. I wasn't even didn't even have a relationship at that point with God. My grandmother had a relationship, and she was one of those praying grandmothers, and. I believe God got through to me through her. I stepped out into that. I had no plans of going to college. I, I had no, no plans, and I met God in college. He changed everything. He began to peel off addiction and peel off just all of the things, all of the things that I have allowed to accumulate and attach itself to me he just began to peel them off. He was sanctifying me, and then he would justify me as I would go on to um, uh, divinity school and get a a master's of divinity and, and do these things that I never would have thought. I didn't even want to go to college. Now, how do I get a master's degree? That's crazy. But over and over and over again, God called me, and the thread in my own life story is just saying, yes. It was just, yes. Like, so you want to plant a church in Santa Ana? God, I'm a black man, and they're all Mexicans there. Like, how does that work? You sure about that? I don't even. My wife is German. Like, we. I don't even speak German. Much less. Uh, come on. Yeah, Lamont, let's let's go to the other side. I couldn't imagine, friends. I couldn't imagine not saying yes. Like being in Santa Ana with the people that are not my people but are my people today. I couldn't imagine not being with them. Couldn't see myself not doing that. I I can, I, I can't I miss them in the moment. I missed them this this in this moment. Cuz it was a place of assignment. See the reality is in, in, in when I was in Israel I felt Sitting there, being in the Sea of Galilee, all the things that God had done, it was beautiful. I felt, God, I've, I've arrived. And no, he said, no, it's time to go deeper, Lamont. It's time to go into your emotional health. It's not always about moving. As I said, it's not always about what you're doing for God. It's going down into the deepest uh, crevices of your heart. When, when, when things change, how do you respond? Because the reality is things were changing around me. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to lie. I used to be the young guy like, yeah, I love change. I love, man, I don't like change. I don't know. Don't nobody move, right? Stay here. I hate change. I don't want anything to change. Babe, don't change the spaghetti sauce. Don't change anything. I want it all the same. I promise you I'm a creature of habit for real, for real. I hate change. I was lying. I love change, right? No. God started showing me areas where change was happening, and it was him. People were moving, and it was his doing. I was too dependent on beautiful people that God had brought, and he removed them to allow me, to force me to depend on him, to depend that, God, Lamont, I know what's best. I'm going to bring people in the right season. I've heard of stories of people that were serving God and they were doing the right thing and they just didn't have any money. And missionaries would would step out in the things of God and they had it was super challenges, right? Didn't have any money and God would feed them every day. God would a new person would bring food and you hear these stories and you're like, I don't want that. No, just bring it all at once, God. So I just know I can plan the week out, right? I'm talking. To our comfort. I'm speaking to this growth. I learned over time that, that through this change, God was wanting to grow me spiritually. He wanted to grow me spiritually. See, what I'm saying, friends, this morning is Jesus is rather dissatisfied with letting us live on one side of the lake for too long. He's dissatisfied for, uh, uh, he's dissatisfied with us just saying, no, I'm good. Lord, I'm doing what you called me to do. I'm, I'm pastoring the church. Everything's good. He's dissatisfied. There is a point in time, friends, that God is going to speak to you and ask you to step into something deeper. Not do more. Don't, don't hear me say do more. Some of us, we think it's always do more. And you're like, I got kids. I got this. I'm not talking about doing more talking about being more. He's saying, "Step." he's not okay with us just being spiritually empty, spiritually dry. He's not okay with that. Jesus, Jesus seems rather dissatisfied with letting us live on one side of the lake too long. See, just as Abraham followed God, the disciples had a choice in our text. The disciples had a choice. Jesus was asking them, hey, get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. There was a decision to be made. And the disciples learned very, very quickly that getting to the other side was no easy trip. It wasn't easy. Verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat. So so much so that the boat was already being swamped. It's already being swamped. This morning, I don't want you to over-spiritualize this storm. Don't, don't over-spiritualize the boat and don't over-spiritualize the storm. The storm was a storm. It was, it was common that, that a, a flash flood would happen in the Sea of Galilee. That's why I didn't want to get in the boat in the first place. But it was common for that to happen in biblical times. But don't over-spiritualize it because my fear is that you will miss the beauty of change that that emerges in this story. See, the beauty of change is that all change has challenges. This is the reason why we don't like change. It challenges us. It disrupts our norm. It it disrupts us. It causes us to make adjustments, and we don't like that. And, And it brings about things that Challenges bring about situations that we're uncomfortable with. See, it's it's the nature of change. Challenges are the nature of change. Here's how you know if you like change or you don't like. Here's how you, you know that you don't like change. You begin to ask questions like, what if, when change happens? Like, God, what if, if, if you're doing this? What, what's going to happen, like? What if I die or what if this and you begin to ask questions? You ask a ton, like a million questions. Well, not a million, but a lot of questions. That's a good signal that you don't like change, that you're resistant to change. Now, it's not bad in and of itself, but it gets, it's bad when it gets to the point that it keeps you from moving into what God is calling you to. It's not bad to be informed, but sometimes not, not all the time. Will Jesus inform you when He inform you about everything? When He invites you into something? See, think if the disciples sit around asking what if questions to Jesus. Think about that. Like, well, Jesus, well, what if a storm arises? Like, do you think they would have gotten the boat? It's like, yeah, Jesus said, yeah, like, yeah, don't worry about it. There's a storm and it's gonna almost drown the boat, but it's all gonna be all great. Do you think they would have got in the boat? Not at all. No way they're getting in the boat. Like, no, Jesus, you're cool. Like, I'll be, I'll walk over there because you can literally walk. It'll take a long time, but you can literally walk over there. I'll meet you over there. you think they would have gotten in the boat? No, they wouldn't have gotten in the boat. They would have never gotten in the boat. What if the disciples would have asked, like, hey, Jesus, like, um, before we get in the boat, like, what's going to happen on the other side? Just get, let me know what's going to happen on the other side. I wouldn't have gotten in the boat. Jesus would have had to say, you know what? On the other side, there's going to be this demon possessed guy. He's going to be really scary. And, 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 and he's going to be, all these demons are going to be coming out, right? And I'm going to take those demons and I'm going to throw them in these pigs, right? And you guys are going to be right there, like right there. No, they're not getting in the boat. They're not getting in the, like Demons? Like, what are you talking about? They're not getting in the boat. None of us are getting in the boat. If Jesus asked us to to go and to cast out demons, are we getting in the boat? No, we're not getting in the boat. We love our comfort. It's too much. We didn't sign up for all this. We We just want to go to church on Sunday and feel good. It's too much. They would have never, if the disciples would have asked all these what if questions, they would have never gotten in the boat. Here's what I'm getting at, friends without over-spiritualizing everything, it's still hard just to get in the boat. (laughs) It's hard just to get in the boat. With all of these things swirling, you don't even have to use metaphors or anything. The reality is it's hard for us just to get in the boat. It's hard for us just to do the very thing that he's asking us to do. Even with all the love that he's given us. Even with, with, with all the grace that he's given us. Even with all the comfort that he gives at times, it's hard for us to get in the boat. There's no need to over-spiritualize. As I sat here and I realized it, when I sit and, and sit with the Scripture and begin to look at my life and how good God has been, and this one thing that God is, is calling me to, to look at my emotions, to really deal with my emotional health, I realized it was hard. The simple thing, all these things I've overcome, being being uh, raised in a single-parent household, being raised in Section 8 housing, like all the things that I've overcome, now God says, hey, you're 39 years old, let's start looking at how you respond emotionally because it's important for the church. And I'm like, no, I don't want to cry. Look at me, I'm a big guy, I don't want to cry. It's just hard, friends. It's, it's hard just to get in the boat. I wondered if God's dealing with me like this, if He's speaking to me and it's as hard as it is, it's hard for me to get in the boat, how much harder would it be for for, for, for those leaders and volunteers and people in the church? If it's hard for me, I wonder if other people, and I begin to look around at friends and pastors that are friends and just the, own, the people that are around me, God had called, it was the saying was true. I wonder if it's true for you that it is simply hard just getting in the boat. See, I believe this, and I've seen this, not just I believe it, but I've seen it, that we have far too many churches with far too many people that never get in the boat, far too many people that Sunday after Sunday, week after week, God's asking them, inviting them in to come deeper, to step into more. And we sit there and we tune him out. Too many people tuning him out. And we get to places where things start to happen and things start to change as God starts to to stir some things up, is stirring the water up a little bit. And we get to look around and We start blaming people. We blame places. We think we just need a change. Again, change is not always going somewhere else. My grandfather used to say, you can change your land, but you still got to deal with the man. You can be the same man in a different location. You're still the same man. Location does nothing. But the location of your heart is the most important. It's hard to get in the boat. So we have in our churches, uh, not only a church, a big C church that resistant to change. Leaders act this out. Pastors act this out all the time. I, I'm, te- I'm tempted all the time to just remain professional and, and make this a profession just get good at being pastoring and make sure Sundays are good and make sure things look good and people feel comfortable and just say the right thing, but not calling the very people that God called me to, not calling them to more, not calling them uh, my good friend who gives a great to the church and man, let me not rock his boat because he may leave. Let me not speak. Let me not disciple those that God has called me to disciple. I get too professional. Let me not speak prophetically because people may not like me and they may leave the church. Let me not speak into their lives. Let me not, let me not share what God has really put on my heart. Let me turn it down a little bit. Let me coast in. Too many pastors are worried about their legacy. How could we worry about our legacy when when it's more about his name? Isn't it supposed to be more about his name than our name? It's not just the leaders. it's, 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 It's our older adults in the church. Older adults, and they've loved God for 30, 40 years. But they're sitting on their gifts, sitting on their talents, sitting on their gifts, because our world tells them that, oh, it's time to retire, that you don't have anything to offer. You've given too much. You've given enough. You can just ride off into the sunset. But the reality is, friends, <laughs> that the older you get, you get, the more wisdom you have, the more you have to pour out. The church needs you church needs your voice, the church needs your experiences the church the kids and, and 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 men my age now being forty years old need to see that in our latter years God can use us in our latter years it's not time to to kind of cruise it's not time to put cruise control it's time to hear god 's voice and continue to step in and be vulnerable and share too many of our older adults sitting in churches, sitting on their gifts. And then we have millennials. I want to say nice thing about you millennials. I love y'all young people. I'm going to try hard to say nice things. I love y'all. I love you. I love you. But we have our millennials that are annoyed with the fact that Jesus would even ask them to get in a boat. They're so self-absorbed with their feelings and their emotions and their statuses, they're appalled that Jesus would, would, would take them out of their comfort zone. This is the reality. God is always, the Scriptures over and over and over again, call us to something more. Friends, the promise of the text this morning is this, that Jesus... It's with you. Jesus never said, Hey, disciples, get into the boat and go to the other side, and left you to figure it out. That's not the promise of the text. The promise of the text is that Jesus says, Come, let us go to the other side. Come, let us go, that He's with us, that He's walking hand in hand with us, that He's sitting in the stern, at the head of the boat, directing it, and he has the power and the authority to speak to every situation in our lives. That's the promise of the text. That's the promise for you and I, that as Christians, when he says, go, rest shore, rest ashore," that you'll get to your destination with him. But if you stay docked on the side and grow complacent, the boat is sailed, and you'll never grow. You'll never truly be happy. You'll begin to look at this, and you'll get disillusioned with church. You'll get disillusioned with Jesus, and you'll hear other voices tell you that, oh, you know, it's not real, and all these things, and you'll fall away. This is what happens to our church. This is what happens to us when we resist change, when we resist his voice. I believe there's more for us this morning, friends. He's calling us not to do more, but to be more. He's calling us to, to, to take what happens to, to really be sensitive, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday. He's calling us to, to, to take that devotional time. I'm thankful to God that you spend five minutes in devotional, but what if God asked you this morning to up it to 15? Would you do it? What if he said, you know that Oswald Chambers, that book, that devotional that you use that's amazing that you've been reading for the last 15 years? Um, what if you put that to the side right quick and let me give you something else? Would you do it? It would be uncomfortable, wouldn't it? What if... You're sitting here and the next time there's an invite for, there's a need for children's ministry and you wouldn't see that as just a a volunteer or need, but you would see that as a role, as a calling, as something that God is actually calling you to, to use your unique design and gifts to make a difference. What if it was more than muscle? What if God wants to do something, a part of this setup team? What if he's bringing men together to, to, to lead a church, to be strong for, not only for the church, but for their families? What if God is inviting you into that? What if it's deeper than, oh, you've given up your 6.30 a.m. to come and serve? What if he's inviting you into that for a greater purpose? What if it's that? I can promise you this, and here's what I know, and I want to end with this, and what I've learned in my own, to be true in my own life, that growth is painful. Growth is painful. Growth is painful. It, it, it's just a nature, it's the nature of the beast that, that growth is painful. If you want to grow, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some of your time. Being a part, if you want to grow spiritually with others, then you have to, you have to jump in a small group. Like you can grow many other ways, but you have to give some time. That could be painful for you. Let, let me, let me, let me say this. I think I need to say this, that some of us, you know what we do as Christians, because we're all professional Christians at times, we give what we know we got abundance of. We give what we know we have an abundance of. Some of you, you are amazing givers financially and you give financially, but you don't give any time. You won't, you, ah, nope, because you know that time is the most valuable thing that you have. And that's the very thing God wants to put his finger on. Some of you, you serve. You, 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 you're here and you serve God and we're thankful for that. We're thankful for givers, but you'll never give. You say, oh, my servant is my giving. Man, show me that in the Bible. I know I'm stepping on toes. I have to say it. We, I mean, I'm not, I'm, God don't care what you give. It's the fact that you give. We justify, we're, oh, again, we're all professional Christians. Like, yeah, I can, I'm, I'm giving something. But you don't give till it hurts. Like, that's growth. Pain. Growth is painful. Some of you never give your gifts. Some of you don't see yourselves as leaders, but you're the very ones that God wants to raise up and have a voice in this church. There should be 3 4 sanctuary churches around here. Because you've all said yes, you all were willing to get out of the boat. That's not more work. It's because you're being who God called you to be. Some of you God has given you a word. Some of you God's calling you to lead a small group. He wants to give you a He wants to use your talents and your gifts for his glory. I'm going over time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Growth is painful. Change is painful. All of it, it's all painful. It all disrupts us. But here's here's the kicker. But what's more painful, nothing is more painful than being stuck somewhere you don't belong. You don't belong in the baby pool. Some of us have been playing in the Christian baby pool for so long, and the baby pool is I just show up for church on Sunday and I may not even be on time. I may come during the second or third song, like y'all lucky if I just get here. That's baby pool thinking. Some of us have done that for a long time. Now I get it when you're new to Christ, you're new to Jesus and you're and the worship team, you guys could come on up. I, I get it when I understand. When you're new and you're God is transforming you, He's 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 molding you to look more like Him. Like it's that's that's tough. But some of us, it's been it's been a while now, and God's saying, "Hey, it's time to move. It's not cool staying on this side. It's not cool playing in shallow water. See the deep calls into the deep. For some of you this morning, God is saying, "Step in to what I have for you." I wonder this morning as I close, what might Jesus be speaking to you in this moment? What, he, what 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 is he inviting you into? What is he inviting you into in this moment? What is it that you said yes to? Like you said all the things yes to, and you've checked all these boxes, but what are the what are the things that we've pushed over to the side and said, no, I'm not ready to give that? Might that area, might that thing be the very thing that Jesus wants to carry you to the other side of? I I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but I believe it's for some of us. I know it's for me. I know he's saying, Lamar, come on over to the other side. Come on over to the other side. There's, there's there's, there's, growth, there's transformation, there is healing, there's power here. But you can't get here without moving from there. If you're here this morning and you sense that change is happening, God wants to grow you in an area and that Maybe the things that you've been going through or feeling is happening for a reason. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. And I want you to acknowledge that in a way, I want you to respond this morning in a very simple way. Just simply by raising your hand saying, that's me. I know I need change. That's me. Amen. I know I I, I desire for change. There's something more. Amen. Amen. You can put your hand down. If you know that's you, just raise your hand. God has more. Not doing more. Not doing more, being more. Lord, I, I thank you, Father, for how you're speaking to your body this morning. How, how you're calling us to be in your presence, Lord, to setting your presence by stepping in and traveling and journeying with you. Father, I pray against, Lord, every lie that we have believed, that the enemy has told us, Lord, where we don't have anything to offer, that we're not good enough to serve or to uh, to lead, Lord, I pray against every lie that has told us that it's okay to hit cruise control and and it's okay to just sit in mediocrity. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you're calling us out of mediocrity, Lord, into a land of plenty, Lord, into a land of 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 of, of flourishing. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are in this moment, drawing your people out. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that for those this morning that would choose whatever it is, whatever boat, Lord, that you're calling them to get in with you, Father God. I I pray, Father, that, Lord, as they make it to the other side, Lord, that they would be bold enough and courageous enough, Lord, to to step out on the boat, Lord, and even to walk on water, Father God. I, I thank you for that, Lord, that some here, Lord, you have... Amazing things in store. Lord, more than we can ever ask or imagine, Father God. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that you're restoring relationships, Lord. Even in this moment, Lord, those that need a change, Lord, need a change in their relationships, in their marriage, Lord, in their work relationships, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're starting with them. You're starting with them, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for how the ways you're going to speak to your people in quiet times and in uh, in their bio, in their own personal Bible study and through small groups. Lord, I thank you that you're going to speak through people in this new season for some of us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there is transformation happening. Lord, that Lord, you, you would write your word. On our hearts, Lord, that we may cling to your word, be ever so dependent on your word, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for those that would let go of all the things in the world that they're holding on to, Lord, and grab a hold of you, grab a hold of your word. Father, we just thank you, Father. We love you. We thank you, Lord, that where two or three are gathered, Lord, that you're in the midst, Father God. I thank you for being in our midst, Lord. And as we worship, as we go back into worship, Father, I just I pray, Lord, that things would just easily begin to break off of us, Lord. Everything that's trying to entangle us, Lord, to keep us from making a change today, Lord, pray you would break it in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just love you. Father, we thank you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we all said, amen.